You're tuned in to The Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant, one of the most listened to podcasts in the Christian community. You can visit our website, toddcoconado.com, and now broadcasting live around the world from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, here's the host of the show, Pastor Todd Coconado. Does Jeremiah 29 11 apply to the body of Christ today? Well, that's the question that we're going to talk about. We're going to discuss this in detail from a biblical standpoint. And I'm going to read a post that was in the Remnant Core Group. Now, specifically, I'm not saying your name because we're on the radio, uh, but I appreciate your post. And I'm very glad that we can discuss this today because I think a lot of people have this question. Does Jeremiah 29:11 apply? Does it apply to us? Jesus Christ, his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's just start there. But let me read the post, and then we're going to get into this. So here's the post. It says, so get this, Jeremiah 29, 11. Todd just spoke this over us last night in his live, which I did. In what was supposed to be a discipleship class at my local church, the pastor specifically said in his lesson that this verse does not apply to us today, that it was uh, intended only for those exiling at the time. He also said Jesus didn't heal Lazarus, because he could not do so since Lazarus was not in Jesus' presence. Now, they put in parentheses, well, he did it for the centurion's servant, though. Okay, so then the pastor also said uh, Jesus could not heal any in his hometown because he didn't always heal. I gently pointed out the falsities to these claims, and I told him I could no longer do this class because he's, in quite honesty, he's just incorrect and not giving God the credit he deserves. I wasn't mean or judgmental, just honest. The pastor had me come in today to meet with him and another pastor, and I told them Jeremiah 29, 11 does apply to each and every one of us today that he is not a respecter of persons. I pointed out that he didn't heal Lazarus because he had a bigger plan uh, to bring him back to life, which is true. He wanted to show uh, he really is the King of Kings, Jesus, the Lord of Lords. I pointed out that Jesus didn't stay in his hometown because those people did not have faith and he is not going to waste his time with people that don't believe. I pointed out that this church needs to allow his Holy Spirit to flourish and be present here. He is not welcomed as he should be. They think everything is just fine and that I am the one that is incorrect. This just stinks. I know I should, uh, I know that I know that I know that I am interpreting his word just as he intended. I'm baptized by the Holy Spirit, and it just breaks my heart that the local churches here don't get it. Well, first of all, thank you for this post. Thank you for this post. What it does is it brings to the surface a real problem that we have in the body of Christ. And my Sunday sermon is actually on the fire, the fire of God, because the problem is a lot of churches don't have the fire. You obviously have the fire. You say, I'm baptized by the Holy Spirit. Yes, you are, because you have discernment, and you know God, and uh, very, very sad, the state of many pastors and churches in America and in the Western world today. I just had a church reach out to me, say they were going to sue me over a video that I did in like 2000, and gosh, it was like years ago, uh, an old, old video, because they said that there was a an image that was theirs in the video that, that was copyrighted. This is a church, and, and the church didn't reach out. It was actually a lawyer. Can you imagine this? A lawyer reached out to me on behalf of the church telling me that I was doing this. And so the name of the church, well, I'm not going to say the name of the church, but let me just say it was supposedly a remnant church, and I pray. Now, I did talk to the pastor, and it sounded like he sounded a little bit 
repentant after I discussed with him. But I said, brother, we are in a battle. We're in a war. And, and you're supposed to be a rem, remnant church. You should get it. You should have an urgency. I said, we're on the front line. And here I'm getting a letter from you from a lawyer. You know, it was an email from a lawyer saying that, you know, you're going to sue me possibly if I don't take, you know, unbelievable. These are the things that I deal with, um, which by the way, if he would have called me and just said, hey, would you mind taking this video down? Or I would have taken it down. That's what I'm saying. What happened to Matthew 24? You know, people are just, they're going straight to lawyers now. And, and that's what you're focused on. So what are you scouring the internet to see if somebody's using your image or whatever, your logo? It's unbelievable and bizarre. But these are the things that we deal with here, here at the ministry. And I'm just giving you one of like many, many different things where it's, uh, they call it friendly fire. It's not so friendly. Let me tell you, it's not so friendly. So a lot of my, in fact, most of my, a lot of the biggest problems we deal with are from within the body of Christ. And so does it surprise me that this pastor is teaching this? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, there's people, uh, they're not sensationalists, they're cessationalists that are like John MacArthur and people like that. Now, by the way, I've, I've had John MacArthur on the show and he's not a bad man. And I can agree with some of the things he teaches. He does teach from the Bible. And so, you know, there's many things that I agree with him on. But one of the things I don't agree with him on is that uh, a lot of these folks think that the gifts are not for today and that the Lord has stopped moving in miracle signs and wonders, and we see them all the time. So I just, there's no way I can believe that because my life is a miracle. God spared me from death. Uh, you know, I was stabbed nine times, one in the heart, and I'm alive. So for me, it's just impossible for me to believe that miracles don't happen. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of miracles in the ministry over the years. So to me, it just doesn't make any sense, and obviously miracles are happening. So let's get back to this Jeremiah 29, 11. So uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 states, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So let's get in the historic context here. So while it's true that this promise was initially given to the Israelites in exile, the broader biblical narrative shows God's character as consistently loving, purposeful, and seeking the welfare of his people. The principles of God's care and intentionality towards his people can be applied universally, as long as you're in Christ, even though specific promises were given in specific historical contexts. Now let's look at God's character. The New Testament reiterates themes of hope, future, and God's good plans for his people. For an example, Romans 8, 28, uh, what was meant for evil will be turned around for good, right? The character of God as a loving, guiding, and protective father applies to all believers transcending time and cultural context. The nature of Jesus' miracles and presence. Let's talk about this. Regarding the pastor's statements about Jesus' inability to perform miracles in certain situations. Lazarus' resurrection, which is John 11, 1 through 44, Jesus' decision to raise Lazarus from the dead was a demonstration of his power over death and a pivotal moment to reveal his glory. It was not about a physical proximity or inability, but about manifesting during uh, the time that he chose and divine power and purpose in what he did, okay? So uh, healing the centurion's servant, Matthew 8, 5 through 13. This event illustrates Jesus' authority and power to heal without physical contact, emphasizing faith's role in miracles. What does the Bible say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with the faith of a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. 
God requires us to have faith. He's always looking for a people who will trust him from the beginning of time. And trust and faith go hand in hand. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What does he want us to do? In all of our ways, acknowledge him, and he is going to direct our path. So it contradicts the idea that Jesus could not perform miracles unless he was physically present. Because again, when he heals the centurion's servant in Matthew 8, 5 through 13, Jesus' authority and power to heal without physical contact is shown and demonstrated. It's more about faith there. Um, limited miracles in Nazareth, Mark uh, 6, 1 through 6. Mark 6, 1 through 6. The gospel accounts suggest that Jesus' limited miracles in his hometown were not due to inherent inability. We're not due to inherent inability, but rather the lack of faith among the people there. Again, this is a faith issue. When people lack faith, God is not going to move, okay? Obviously, he can do what he wants, but without faith, he can't please God. He wants us to have faith. We're not saved by, uh, you know, works. We're saved by grace through what? Faith, faith. So we have to, faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. We have to believe, and by the way, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. So we have to believe that God is able to do supernatural things. God can do anything. See, there is absolutely zero limits on God. He's not a created being. He is the creator of heaven and earth. People say, well, I don't understand. How can there be this this divine being that wasn't created. I don't know. Look, we're never going to fully understand it. Maybe in heaven we will. But I'm going to tell you something. The more you press into God, the more that you get on fire for God, the more that you get into his word, the more successful you'll become, the more anointed you'll become, and the more you'll see God's hand at work in your life. He's real. This is the reality of our world. And we have to get this and understand this and stop trying to buck the system. Okay? We People, they, you know, in our, in our humanity, in our flesh, we're trying to, like, figure this out and, and, and somehow subvert what's true. No, it's not going to happen. As, as, as atheist as you want to be, you're not going to disprove the reality of God. As, as you know, uh, scientific as you want to be or, you know, um, in, in illuminated in, in, in this age of science and, you know, people think that, you know, we don't need God anymore. We're going to become our own gods. No. Everything that's in the Bible still applies even to the non-believer. Everything that's in the Bible still applies to the atheist. Everything that's in the Bible applies to every human being because this is the reality of our world. And let me make this very clear. God is not limited. He's never limited. So anybody that says God is limited, they don't know the scripture and they don't know God. God is able to do anything. He can do anything, anytime, anywhere, whatever he wants to do. He is God. And we have to understand how powerful the God that we serve is. And so these types of people that are saying, well, he can't do it, you know, he's limited, you know, his hands are tied, they don't know God and they don't know his Holy Spirit. And it's sad, but it's, it's the truth because if they did know God and they were on fire for God, they'd understand that there's no limits with God, none, zero. So... Uh, the gospel accounts suggest that Jesus' limited miracles in his hometown were, were not due to his inherent inability to perform miracles, but rather the lack of faith among the people there. And this teaches about the importance of faith and receiving from God rather than imposing limitations on God or Jesus' power. There is no limitations on their power. Uh, the role of the Holy Spirit, your emphasis on the need for the Holy Spirit to flourish within the church is grounded in biblical teaching. Thank you. 
The New Testament is clear about the Holy Spirit's vital role in guiding, empowering, and being present with believers. Where? Well, John 14, 26 and Acts 1, 8. John 14, 26 and Acts 1, 8. A church that neglects the Holy Spirit's role is going to miss out on the fullness of what God intends for his people in terms of guidance, empowerment, spiritual growth, miracles. There's going to be a disconnect there. If you have a pastor that limits God's ability, that means that pastor has a faith issue. They, they have a, a, an issue with uh, doubt. Maybe they're not even believing what they're called to do. Maybe they're not even believing they're calling as a shepherd because if they were and they were walking on the water in miracle signs and wonders, they would see a move of God. They would see God moving and they would, they would, it's not about them, it's about the spirit. We got to get out of the way and let the demonstration happen. See, this is the problem in so many churches. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to demonstrate what he's able to do because you know why? They don't believe it. Very sad. So it's important to approach these disagreements with humility and willingness to engage in a dialogue, but it's clear about the fact that you have strong convictions because you're right. And they're rooted in the understanding of scripture and the character of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I just, I wanted to address this today. Um, and we're going to expound upon this right now. Uh, but I wanted to address this because it makes me sad and I'm sorry that you have to go through this. And I'm sorry that so many of you have pastors. I'm not here to bash pastors. I love pastors. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm not bashing the body of Christ. Uh, but what I, what I do struggle with is these people that tell us that God is limited. God is not limited. God is not limited. And so let's, let's talk more about the universality of Jeremiah 29, 11. The interpretation of Jeremiah 29, 11 often sparks debate, uh, whether promises made to specific people at specific time have rele relevance for believers today. Okay. So there's universal principles versus specific promises. And while some promises were made to specific people in a specific context, the principles underlining those promises, such as God's faithfulness, love, and his plans for us as his people are universal. These principles reflect God's unchanging character. If you are part of the body of Christ, that means that God's plans for you are good. Hear me again. If you are part of the body of Christ, now think of, not only are they good, they're so good that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They're so good that he's with you until the end of the age. They're so good that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. They're so good that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. They're so good that greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. They're so good that you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is your identity. And anybody that doesn't get that doesn't understand the inherency of scripture. It's, 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 it's absolute. There's no question mark here. This is who you are. Uh, the applicability across time. Scripture is filled with instances where God's promises and character are shown to be consistent and applicable to his people, regardless of the time or circumstance. Now, let me give an example. Hebrews 13.8 states, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This uh, continuity suggests that while the specifics of Jeremiah 29.11 were directed at the Israelites, the underlying assurances of God's goodwill and purposeful planning extend to all believers. That means you. And you need to know this. And, and see, once you understand that God, his promise is yes and amen, hope in a future for you, then you can walk in this hallelujah, you can walk in this 
and be on fire for Jesus, knowing that you're on the winning team. And even if you go through trials and tests and tribulations to live as Christ, to die as gain, you are going to come out on top. You are going to come out strong. You are going to come out knowing that he is going to be going before you as the potter. You're the clay, for I know the plans I have for you. See, he is the author and the finisher of our story. Let's talk about faith and miracles. The Gospels emphasize faith as a critical component in the manifestation of miracles. I'm going to say it again. The Gospels emphasize emphasize faith as a critical component in the manifestation of miracles. In Nazareth, the the skepticism and unbelief of the people were contrasted with the faith of the individuals like the centurion, highlighting that faith, not Jesus' physical ability or proximity, was the key to miraculous works. Let me talk about the Holy Spirit's role in the church, okay? Empowerment and presence. The New Testament underscores the Holy Spirit's role in empowering believers for ministry, guiding them in all truth and fostering unity and love within the church. That's Acts 2, 1 Corinthians 12, and John 16, 13. Hallelujah. Indwelling Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, is the hallmark of the new covenant, signifying God's presence among his people. The Spirit's work is, is, is convicting, it's comforting, it's sanctifying, it's essential, listen to this, it's essential for personal growth and health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health. We need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because without the Spirit of God, we will fail. We will fail. We, the Spirit of God in us is what gives us the edge as believers. The Holy Spirit gives us discernment, wisdom, strength in times of need. If you're dealing with a struggle of sin, you can overcome that sin because no sin can overtake you. But how do you get the strength? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you get the wisdom? How do you get the guidance? How, does the, how do you get navigated through the minefield that we're walking through as a, as a believer in today's world? Well, you do that through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, that's why we have to tap in to the Spirit of God. And we gotta be on fire in order to do this. These pastors that are, that are saying God can't, God won't, he's restricted, he's constrained, Jeremiah uh, 29, 11 doesn't apply today, you don't know God. I hate to say it, but you don't know God because if you knew God, you'd be on fire and you'd know there's no limitations in God and you'd know that there's no, there's no way that he's gonna set you up for failure. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He want, that doesn't mean we're not gonna have trials. Doesn't mean, I mean, Paul was bound in prison. Eventually he was martyred, but guess what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Guess where Paul is now? He's in the presence of the most high God. Hallelujah. It wasn't, it didn't end up bad for him. It ended up better than any possible scenario imaginable. The best possible scenario. Every Christian that's name is written in the Lamb, if our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and we are, we end well, we endure until the end, like the Bible says, we finish well, we're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ for all eternity. There is absolutely, listen to this, you have to understand this, no possible better outcome than what's coming for you. You better rejoice. There is no better possible scenario than what's coming for you as a believer. Yes, it's, it's hard sometimes in this world. Yes, we go through the trials and the tests of this world. But let me assure you, listen to me, that if you're in Christ, the best possible scenario you better rejoice that is available for you is coming your way rejoice in the lord hallelujah hallelujah navigating disagreements within the church 
over biblical interpretation and application are not uncommon within the church. We deal with this. I deal with it all the time. However, these disagreements offer opportunities for growth, understanding, and deeper fellowship if approached with humility, love, and commitment. And I do think those things are important. All right, I want to I want to go through one more thing here for the last seven minutes because it seems like there's a challenge here in the body of Christ where people don't understand that Jesus has the ability to perform miracles. I know it's crazy, but let me address this. The ability of Jesus to perform miracles is a fundamental aspect of his ministry, reflecting his divine nature and authority as the son of God. These miracles serve multiple purposes, okay, including validating his messianic identity, demonstrating God's kingdom, breaking into the world, and showcasing God's compassion and power. Understanding the basis of Jesus' miraculous works provides a foundation for exploring why and how followers of Jesus, that's us, are called to participate in similar works. So we are called to participate in similar works that Jesus did. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going we're gonna to see miracles, signs, and wonders. We're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. You better be ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Yes, they're going to happen in your life and in, in the ministry that you have by the grace of God. Why? Because divine authority and power. Jesus' miracles are rooted in his divine nature and authority. As God incarnate, fully God and fully man, he possesses authority over everything, nature, sickness, spiritual forces, and death. Scriptures such as John 1, 1 through 14 affirm Jesus of divinity. He is God, highlighting his unique capacity to enact God's will directly. Okay, and here's the next one. Empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Number two, through divine Jesus operated within the limitations of human existence. Yes, relying on the Holy Spirit's power for his ministry. So he was fully God, fully man. There were limitations because of his humanity, but because of the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus was able to do all things. Luke 4, 18 through 19 recounts Jesus proclaiming his anointing by the Spirit to preach good news and what set captives free, indicating the Spirit's role in empowering his ministry, including miracles miracles, miracles, faith and obedience. Jesus' miracles were also characterized by his perfect faith in the Father and obedience to his will. John 5, 19 shows Jesus stating, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So our obedience is important because look at what happened here in his obedience. Followers of Jesus and his miraculous works. That's us. Jesus' followers, otherwise known as Christians, are called to continue his mission, which includes doing works in his name. Now, we're not saved by works, but faith without works is dead. And this calling is grounded in several key New Testament teachings. I'm going to get through these real quick. Number one, we're commissioned by Jesus. In John 14, 12, Jesus declares, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than what he, uh, than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So the promise indicates that believers empowered by the Holy Spirit will not only continue the work of Jesus, including miraculous works, as part of our witness to the kingdom of God, but we're actually going to do greater things. Greater things. Hallelujah. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, just as the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus, he empowers us as believers. Now, of course, Jesus was God. We're not God. 
But here's the deal. Through Acts 1.8 states, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the presence of the Holy Spirit is in believers' lives, and it's key to our participation. Listen to this. It's key to our participation in God's work, including miracles, performing miracles. Now, number three, very important, operating in faith. Faith plays a crucial role in the ministry of miracles. Mark 11, 22 through 24, emphasizes the importance of faith for miraculous outcomes. Believers are called to trust in God's power and promise, stepping out in faith as they pray for and expect miracles in alignment with God's will. And number four, for God's glory, not our glory, not followers, not likes, not somebody getting me on a video showing how cool I am, how great I am. Please throw up. I never want to see that. Blah, blah. To know him and to make him known. For the glory of God, for the glory of Jesus Christ and for God and to, to know him and to make him known. My friend, don't ever make it about you. Don't ever be like those people that do that. Okay, those people are, are like the Pharisees. They're awful and God's gonna deal with them. For God's glory in the kingdom, the purpose behind miracles performed by followers of Jesus is consistent with that of Jesus' own ministry. To glorify God and what advance his kingdom. Miracles serve as signs pointing to the reality of God's kingdom and his power to save and to redeem. So the conclusion, while followers of Jesus are invited to participate in miraculous works, it is essential to recognize that such works are always under the sovereignty and guidance of God, his Holy Spirit. They're meant to glorify him and not ourselves the ability to participate in such work is contingent upon a relationship with Jesus, being sanctified, being consecrated, empowerment by the Holy Spirit, and alignment with God's will, not our will, and his purposes. And as believers, we walk in obedience and faith, and they are used by God to manifest his kingdom on earth, serving as conduits of his power and grace in a world that is in desperate need of his touch. Friends, does Jeremiah 29, 11 apply to you? For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans of hope in the future. You better believe it. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. But we have the God of heaven and earth on our side. You better get fired up because you're on the winning team. So anybody that doesn't understand the fire of God, the power of God, they, they need to step into the river of living water. They need to understand what the scripture says. And I, I feel sorry for them. We're going to continue to pray for them. Thank you for taking the stand, my dear friend. Thank you for posting on the Remnant Core Group, and we'll be back with the Todd Coconato Show very soon. You can go to my website, pastortodd.org, pastortodd, T-O-D-D.org, and we have an app in the App Store. We'll see you soon. <laughs>